Because we all start off sober curious. We all start off there. Fair. And, and the, the, the thing of it is, is you might, somebody might not have had my uh, exact journey with alcohol, but what is happening now is it's called alcohol use disorder. So now it's on a spectrum where now it's not just like, okay, you are an alcoholic. You've had this like massive rock bottom. You need to change. You're no longer in control of your life because there's a lot of people who are functioning alcoholics and addicts, high functioning, right? So I think with the sober curious that it's just why you would want to start wondering about that or wondering about living a life with alcohol it's because you know alcohol is not making you feel your best hello hello welcome to 30 and a bit my name is pete and each episode i try to solve one of the questions you run into after hitting the big 3-0 together with an expert today's question is how can i minimize my alcohol intake or even go sober Today's amazing expert is Courtney Anderson. Courtney won her battle with alcohol addiction in 2012 and has since been sober. Courtney founded Sober Vibes, an online community for sober and sober curious people. She is also a coach, podcast host, and author. Courtney lives in Detroit, Michigan, is 41 years old, married, and has one son of two years old. Dear listeners, we are in the holiday series for 30 and a bit, where we'll discuss topics in December to help you get through this month. This is the first episode out of three, and today we're discussing alcohol, and the other two episodes will be about narcissistic family members and how and when to apologize, and also when you don't have to accept an apology. I've already recorded both of these, and I cannot wait for you all to hear it. I've actually implemented so many learnings from both episodes into my life already. So that's what we have in store for you. But today, let's first jump in with Courtney about alcohol. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited you're here. Uh, we were just talking about it before we started recording. We had to cancel a couple times. I had a blackout. So we're here finally. I'm so excited. The first question I ask all of my experts is, how were your 30s? My 30s were amazing. And I have to say why my 30s were amazing. It's because I was sober. <laughs> got it. So how old were you when you got sober at 30? I was 29. I was about six weeks shy of turning 30. So real close amazing. to turning 30. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. That's so fascinating. Let's jump right in. Can you share your story on why you decided to go sober? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I was 29 years old and it came to the point of my last night of drinking alcohol. I had lost my rescue cat for the second time. And my boyfriend I was with at the time we were living together, he had had it with my drunken uh, evenings. And it just got to the point where after losing my cat and the, my boyfriend, he it got to the point where it was like, okay, I was good. I was good and tired. I was good and tired before that even had happened, right? Like I had a thousand and one rock bottoms, but this was actually the moment where it was like, 
I really need to start living a life without alcohol. And I said, if I found my rescue cat, if I found Fiona, I would give up drinking. And I found her three days later. And that boyfriend's my husband. And Fiona is still with us today. She's currently playing on the floor right now with tissue paper. (laughs) Wow, that is an amazing story. Honestly, Mm -hmm. I did not see that ending coming when you started (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, it was just one of those decisions. I have to say, though, at 25, I knew I was going to have to give up drinking alcohol, but it took me until almost 30 years old to finally do it. So I, there was a there was a good five year period of me trying to moderate it and fit it into my life when it just did not. It was I am a person who should not drink alcohol and that is OK. Can you tell us why? Why? Like why uh, you shouldn't be drinking alcohol? Oh yeah, just me and alcohol. I'm just I'm an animal. Like I am a straight animal. When after you know, if you've ever seen the movie Gremlins, I'm like one of those. Like you know, don't after midnight. No, I'm a monster, and that I should just not be dealt with. So and you know, not all of my drinking was terrible times, but like 90% of the time when I drank, there was no off switch. There was, it would lead to brownouts or blackouts. It would lead to poor choices. You know, if I woke up in, in a man's bed, not knowing his name or, you know, woke up in a hospital bed a few times, like it just, or getting in fights with people, you know, that final night of my drinking, I was standing over our bed telling my boyfriend I wanted to kill him. And here's the thing. I didn't feel like that when I was sober, right? So like this other person almost came out, did come out when I drank alcohol. Wow. Um, And was that always the case from the moment you started drinking or did it sort of gradually get worse? It gradually got worse. And by 25, it took on like a whole new beast. Like, you know, I, no one starts off drinking being like, oh man, I'm going to have a raging drinking problem later on down the road, or I'm going to wake up with like massive anxiety after a night of drinking. It started off all fun and innocent. Like I, I started drinking at 19 years old and it was fun. And I felt the shyness melt away. Like when I could drink, it was, I hid behind it. And I just, I felt like a, a more confident person when I drank. So, but definitely as the years went on, it progressed into something darker. So I think most of my listeners wouldn't necessarily have a massive alcohol addiction, but I think Mm -hmm. a lot like me are sober curious. So I'm very interested to learn what the number one reason of the people in your community that are sober curious is to join. Yeah, I think the number one reason for anybody... Because we all start off sober curious. We all start off there. Fair. And and the, the the thing of it is, is you know, you you might somebody might not have had my my uh, exact journey with alcohol, but what is happening now is it's called alcohol use disorder. So now it's on a spectrum where now it's not just like, okay, you are an alcoholic. You've had this like massive rock bottom. You need to change. You're no longer in control of your life because there's a lot of people who are functioning alcoholics and addicts, high functioning, right? So I think with the sober curious that it's just why you would want to start wondering about that or wondering about living a life with alcohol, it's because you know alcohol is not making you feel your best. 
perfect example. One of my close friends, the, the day my book came out, she gave up drinking. She wanted to go 90 days. She's read my book, went 90 days. She just had her 90 days a couple days ago and she messaged me. She was like, I never had like a problem, right? She goes, but alcohol in itself is a problem. And no truer words have been spoken. I mean, and then she listed off. She was like, I've gotten my confidence back. I have shown up for myself in ways I haven't shown up for myself in years. I'm now making it to like take priority and taking care of myself, right? Like I just think with the sober curiosity thing, you just know that there's alcohol is a problem and it's showing up somewhere in your life that you are not, you're not digging. You're not, you know, I mean, for some women, it's like I've put on a lot of weight, because alcohol and hormones just don't go hand in hand. So just really just really looking at it of it's no longer working. To clarify, your friend that just quit, she was a social drinker. Like she would have a few drinks a few a few nights a week. Mm, she was never I mean, yeah. She or like, you know, she would have a glass of wine every night or two glasses of wine, you know, and it's like, but she was still and that's the whole thing. It's nothing bad ever happened, but it was just as she just noticed herself being held back in certain areas of her life. And once she gave up alcohol, it was like, you know, she started thriving more and and being able to show up. So, so yeah, I mean, and then she could go a couple nights without drinking at all. So I think it's just one of those, those cycles that we get into. What I have always said is that we're no better than anybody just because we don't have a physical dependence. Majority of people, and this is going back to sober curiosity, majority of people have an emotional dependence on alcohol. You put so much stock into alcohol, creating fun, creating relaxation, you know, creating celebrations. It's, it's amazing once you step back, how much you're like, man, I gave a lot of power to a substance that did not do much for me. I couldn't agree more. There are so many moments in my life where I'm like, this deserves a drink. And I'll also say, I just love Pete with a glass of wine more Mm -hmm. than without a glass of wine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And that's something I really need to get over. And that's why I've been super curious. Well, yeah, I mean, because it's an association and identification, right? Like I had to grieve an identification when I gave up drinking alcohol because I associated myself and identified as the party girl or like, what can I bring to the table now that I'm not drinking? I didn't have any worth other than what was in my, my identity with booze. I think a big reason for me that it's shifting as well is I've started working out a lot more and I started participating in some, um, big events like Ironman's. And if you want to go for a big run in the morning, it's a lot harder if you had even one glass of wine before, let alone two, three, four, five. So I think that is probably a big reason of why the shift is happening in me. But I'll also say there's a lot of people in my life that have recently gone completely sober from also just having a few drinks a week to um, being completely sober. It's I've feel like there's a shift happening. And I don't know if that's just because of my age bracket or that it's the time we live in. 
It's the time we live in, and it's actually, I honestly do believe that it's post-2020 times of where people are um, having an awakening to get a little bit more on like the spiritual side of there has been such massive shifts and massive damage in the world where I believe that people just want to feel their best, and it's like a veil has been lifted because, listen, there's big alcohol. People want to talk about big pharma. There's big alcohol companies out there that have marketed towards you for years and years and years and years of that alcohol is the only way to do A, B, C, and D. And it's not Mm -hmm. the case because at the end of the day, all that is continuing to do is make you sick. Wait, I have a book on that. I'm going to grab that right now. It's right here. Okay. (laughs) If people want to learn more about the big alcohols like you are talking about, it's Quit Like a Woman. Have you read it? You must have. I have not read it. No. Mm -mm. Uh, She goes a lot into um, what the big alcohol is and compares it to big pharma. So if anyone's interested, quit quit like a woman by Holly Whitaker. So you even have like two alcohol books next to my bed, which is probably also very telling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, but it's the start of something, you know, it's an awareness of where it's like sober curiosity is an awareness, like I said, of going back to just like, this is not fitting in my life anymore. I want to feel, we have one life. Like, don't we want to make sure that we feel the best that we can each day? Amen. Amen. Let's get into how we can minimize or even quit alcohol altogether. When you're in a social situation and there's this social pressure of drinking, um, especially in situations like Christmas drinks or dinners that we have so many of in the month of December. How can we deal with those social pressures? Yeah. So the social pressures I really like to do with give yourself a time limit. I call it the 60 minute rule. Cause this is just like, cause it's about setting a boundary, right? You know, and it really does come to the fact of like, you can show up to an outing, an event, uh, your mother's Christmas dinner, for an hour and then leave. And an hour, why I say the 60 minute rule is because an hour is enough time to sit there and visit and do your thing and then dip out. Okay. Right. And then where you are not passing your own threshold, like if you're like, I I don't want to drink tonight. Okay. Because what happens is, is at these events, people begin to become on planet Pluto after a couple hours of drinking. I know this for myself. I used to be a bartender in my addiction and a sober bartender. And you see it. You see what happens after a couple hours of people drinking. And it's like they don't really care that you're leaving. They care that uh, that one less number is out the door, honestly, because it's like they think when somebody's drinking, like they think it's the funnest time of their lives. And when in reality, you're sitting there not drinking and trying to take care of yourself. It's like, no, this isn't that good of a time. (laughs) So you can't like, you can't take stuff personal during that time. But I definitely, the 60 minute rule, give yourself, go in and out for an hour, be the first one to show up. And then you don't also too, you don't need to go around the whole entire room telling everybody goodbye. Right. Mm. Another (laughs) thing, just just say goodbye to the host. Be polite. Say goodbye to the host. If they ask you why you're leaving, I have an early morning tomorrow. I need to get home, right? Like it's okay. And I say this in my book too. It's okay to give a little white lie. You don't need to sit there and trauma dump. You don't need to sit there and give your explanation and your energy away to somebody that probably does not care. 
So just be confident in that decision of just like, no, I have an early morning. You know, second thing you can do too is go into an event, grab yourself a mocktail, grab yourself, tell a bartender, hey, can you make me a mocktail or can you just make me like a soda water with a splash of cranberry juice, put a couple lemons on there, make it look like a cocktail. Thank you. Again, I I was in that role for years. You would be surprised at the amount of people who would come up and say, that will say that. Like, but it comes down to you of not caving in. You just gotta. And if somebody asks you what you're drinking, a vodka cranberry. Again, there's you can lie. <laughs> you can lie because there is so much pressure, and that's the thing that you don't start seeing until you have some clarity with sobriety. Is that. The people who will ask you what's in your drink are often ones who might have their own problem with alcohol. Because like, right, I used to do that. It's like, what are you drinking? Oh, you're not drinking? Oh my God, I used to push shots on people all the time. And then in my sober days, you think I care what people are drinking? I don't. <laughs> because that's not that's not a priority for me now. More of a priority for me is engaging and conversating. So it's like, but there's a lot of people out there who have that emotional dependence on booze and who will project it onto you of like their own insecurities of why you're not drinking, which has nothing to do with you. It's a them problem, not a you problem. I love this. So there's a 60 minute rule and just lie about what, what you're drinking. And also to what you were saying about just leaving, saying bye to the host and just take off. I also think even if people are like, oh, you're so boring for leaving, they'll forget about this in 15 minutes and you'll be really pleased yeah. when you wake up with a clear head the next day. Yes. And that is the whole thing. They will forget about it. Like I said, they just want the numbers there of a party. I mean, I'm not saying that not everybody is sociopaths because there are a lot of people who will be like, <laughs> oh, bummer, right? Like you're leaving, but it's more just a thing of they you, think about when you throw a party, you want everybody to stay. And it's like, you know, it's just, it, it just really comes down to like an emotional maturity of being like, all right, cool. You, you have an early morning. I respect that. No problem. So yeah. And like I said, little white lies. It is okay. Because again, you don't want to start going into like this whole story of like, well, I'm sober curious and I've had it at my threshold. Like this party's giving me anxiety and I'm just trying to navigate the holidays. Like people, they don't care. Save your breath. I wrote down a few things on how I try to minimize my alcohol intake. One of them is, um, Making sure, especially at home, that I have really good non-alcoholic drinks in the fridge so I'm not just stuck to so, uh, soda water. They'll often have more sugar or whatever, but it'll also make me feel like I have don't have this bottle of wine in the fridge that's going to go bad in two days. I have to finish it because that's just not the case anymore, which I personally really enjoy. Um, mm -hmm. another way, um, at especially weddings, you know, you're sitting at a table at dinner and you have a glass of wine and they keep topping it up. I've actually started to learn. I do this all the time. Now I first finish that glass before I have someone top it up because otherwise you completely lose track of how many drinks you've had. Mm -hmm. Which is dangerous territory. Yeah. And then especially like a, a social situation like that or for weddings, you can just give the server if you're like, I can't even like do that. Just give the server your wine glass. Be like, I don't care for any. You don't even like, again, I used to do wedding 
I used to do, I used to do, um, wedding service. So like you just give the wine glass or the champagne glass, like, here you go. I'm good. I don't need this. And there, nobody's going to be like, you're not having any, like, just, no, I'm good. You know? That's, that's a really good idea too. And, um, what you were mentioning earlier about how many times bartenders get the question, like, can you make something look fancy or can you make sure you don't Mm -hmm. give me any alcohol? That's a really good tip as well. I had never thought about that, but it's clearly very common. It's so common, but just make sure too you give that bartender a little bit of extra tip, like a 10 to 20, like just like, <laughs> like honestly, like, I mean, even too, I've had many pregnant women who haven't told anybody as well, who come up and say the same thing. Like, so it's so much more common. And what's very common is a lot of people don't understand how many sober uh, human beings work in the service industry. Like people think that that's like unheard of, but it's, it's because that is an industry that breeds addicts and it's a, it's a lifelong skill with, with, uh, servers and bartenders that that is one skill you can use at any time of your life to really like just go out there and make a crap ton of money. And when you're in it, you stay in it. So there's a lot of people who then become sober in the industry and, and still continue to love what they do. It's very impressive, though, like you, that you're sober and you used to be an addict and you're still surrounded with all the alcohol, but you're not tempted to, or at least you don't do it. That's really impressive. Yeah, well, thank you. Well, I fully retired right when I turned 40 from the bar, from the bartending world, but I will say this. I went back into it because my last night of drinking was actually my last bartending shift. I was... I was transitioning into working full-time in the medical field. A couple of years later, I went back to bartending because you only make so much and we, I was getting married. So I went back one day a week and I had people tell me, and this is why you cannot listen to anybody, um, of their experience. I had people project their fears onto me where they're like, if you go back, that's really, it's a slippery slope you're playing with. Like you're going to be carrying alcohol. I went back and I was like, no, I'll be fine. I went back. I had the fear obviously in my first shift. And afterwards I'm sitting there with $300 being like, that was easy. And this is actually empowering because in my journey, I did not get sober to not participate in life. And to participate in this life and in this world, you're going to be around booze, even when you don't think you're going to be around booze. They're, they serve alcohol everywhere now. And I don't blame these businesses because the markup on alcohol is so big. They, can, that's, they make money off of it. So yeah, not on the got, food. Not on the food. It's off of alcohol. And so yeah. you really, you got to get uncomfortable to get comfortable for the long run. And, you know, this is, I've been sober 11 years and there was some really uncomfortable moments, but I'm happy about it back in the early days because now I can sit in a restaurant. I was able to make a living off of bartending to support my sober vibes business. Like it, comfortable. I'm able to go out with friends who can have drinks and it doesn't bother me. Do you have alcohol in the house? No, no, I don't. My my husband, my, my boyfriend, who's now my husband that I was telling you about, he gave up drinking as well. But he he didn't have a problem, but that was just the one thing that um, was always a boundary, what I have said to him. I'm like, you are more than welcome to go back to drinking. Like, I understand you did that to help me out, but 
I just, I don't ever want it in the house. It's more of a thing of like, I just don't want that in my house. But if people were to come over, bring your own beer, bring your own wine. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm not going to supply, you know, like I'm not, I'm not going to just have wine here for guests. (laughs) Yeah. At at our wedding. That's understandable. Yeah. Like at our wedding, we had an open bar and people got hammered at our wedding and like, good, (laughs) have, have fun, have a good time, you know? Like, so it's just personally for me, I just don't, I just don't want it in the house. <laughs> That's very understandable for people that are sober curious and they're like, I want to do it. I want to go completely sober. What is a good place to start? Well, I always say this, Pete, I always give a little disclaimer because anybody listening, I don't know where, where, where they're at in their drinking because I was once a liar about it too, where I would be like, oh yeah, I've only had two drinks this week at the doctor's office and I've had like 60. So I always think that people, it's, yeah, I, you got to make the decision for yourself, but please talk with the doctor because alcohol uh, withdrawal is real, real and the detox is real. So I don't. I just like to add that disclaimer in there. But after you talk to the doctor, then you just have to start with today of not drinking and keep doing that every day. You know, I don't, I just, I know a lot of people are like, all right, well, like I'll do dry January. I don't, I don't support like dry January or sober October. You'll never see me do any type of marketing with that because I think that was my next question. (laughs) Yeah. Any day is a good day to quit drinking. The percentage of people who actually go do 100% of dry January and sober October and dry July are, it's very, very small. And I've, I've been often met with too many women who beat themselves up because they can't make it through one of those months. And it's like, well, you can't look at it like that. Like you, you have to look at it as like why you're giving up alcohol and not to then like compare yourself to try to join some challenge that might not be, might not be realistic for you mentally, you know? So it's just, it is very, it's very hard for people, especially with people with problems. That's the whole thing. Mm. It's like some people are able to do that because they never had an issue with alcohol and that's what it comes down to. So just choose today to not drink and then start feeling out if you need support, right? Start making a plan for yourself, like empty out the house. In my book, I talk about that too. I walk you through those first three months. You know, if you are a person where you're like, all right, I'm going to give this 90 days, then give it up. But everybody is so different when it comes to this, this part. But just stop drinking alcohol today is the best way you can do it. So just start today. Don't put it off. Don't wait yeah, until that put- next wedding you have next week or the drinks you have on Friday. Yeah. Because listen, there's going to be, you're going to, you're, and I I say this too, when you think about like, okay, if I'm going to give up alcohol today, it gets very overwhelming. And then you start future tripping to all of the weddings you have to go to. And then you're like, well, what happens when my brother gets married in in Italy in three years and your brother's not even engaged? Do you know what I mean? Like alcohol always keep wants to keep you in that drinking. That's what I'm saying. It's an emotional dependence. You're putting so much value and stock into something that does not give much back. It gives you maybe like an hour of a dopamine hit and then the fallout of it outweighs that one hour in particular. Mm Mm-hmm. 
so yeah, so you just gotta you gotta start today and then make your plan from from there. And and another thing I can say too is honestly start filling your time the days that the time that you would spend drinking, start doing something creatively with that. Like keep your hands busy, maybe start join, join a gym, go to a Pilates class or start crafting, baking, cooking dinner, like replace, get a really good healthy ha- uh, hobby and replace that during the time you would have drank alcohol. And if you have to sit some social stuff out, sit, sit it out, sit down. That's what I did. I sat down that first couple months and just stayed in because I was a huge social drinker. Oh, so you just stayed in because this is what I was going to ask about um, Sober January. There's a lot of people that just lock themselves in for the month, but you would almost feel like that's not, especially if you want to keep it up after uh, the month, month ends, it's not really a realistic way of living during that month. But you're saying even if it is really hard for you in those first couple of months, do it to get through it and then get like back into the regular routine? Well, I'm just saying that if there's stuff that you have to do that you're obligated to do where it's like, I can't go out, fine, do that. But don't add any extra plans in for the month. What happens in January is because everyone wants to make New Year's resolutions that don't ever last, right? And then so then what people do in January, they don't spend money, they try to lose weight, they don't drink alcohol. And then by the end of the month, it's like they're banging their heads on the door because it was like you just stripped away like three dopamine hits that you were using to cope. And you, by the 10th of January, you completely just gave up, right? Because it was too much. It's like you got to focus on one thing at a time. But yes, just don't add any extra into your schedule. Like stop saying yes to plans you don't want to do. Just sit home and get to know yourself a little bit better, right? Like I had to do the complete opposite of what I was doing to make in my sober life to make this all stick. And that was the first 90 days. I I wouldn't go out on Fridays. I was not a hermit. I still partaked in some stuff, but I wasn't saying yes to things that no longer served me at that time. Nice. All right. Those are some really, really good takeaways. Good. Uh, My final question to every expert always is, if you could give the listeners one takeaway from this episode, what would it be? Well, I just want to say, I always say like, I, I am an expert with my own sobriety because when it comes to the expert in sobriety, right? Like everybody has their own take and lived experience. And also to it's really is whoever woke up the earliest today, <laughs> another day sober is like, right, is like the one who who has the uh, the longest amount of sober time. So I just wanted to add that in there. But the take of this is that, honestly, if alcohol really out of this whole conversation, if this resonates to to a listener and they're like shaking their head, yes, yes, and yes, that if alcohol is no longer serving you, it's time to give it up. If your soul is speaking to you and just like, I've had so many go arounds with this, like it's, I I'm done. The outcome is always the same. Like you're going to have to kind of hunker down and do some hard work and say no and put some boundaries up. But I guarantee you at the end of the day, at the end in a year, you'll be like, that was the best decision of my life. In 11 years, I have never once said to anybody like, 
Pete, I regret giving up drinking alcohol. I don't because what happened is it's like I gave up drinking and the life that I always wanted started happening. Even people in businesses, it's like they give up drinking and then their business all of a sudden starts booming because they have such great clarity and they're starting to take care of themselves. And it's like they see stuff differently. And that's same thing with different aspects of your life. You're going to start seeing stuff differently and like getting the answers you want. Beautiful. I think you're absolutely right. None of the people that I know that have gone sober have regretted it for a day. No. Because like, I mean, how you you just can't because it's, it's, there's a saying that it's like the, the gifts of sobriety always deliver. And it's so true. It's so true. I wouldn't, if, if I didn't quit drinking years ago, my son wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be talking to you on this podcast. I wouldn't have written a book. The Sober Vibes, this, this community wouldn't have been here. I wouldn't be married. Like I would have been still stuck in the same mindset, in the same emotional maturity and just doing it year after year and it looking different as I age. Right. You know, so it is one of those things. It's just like, you would be surprised on what can happen to you in 90 days. If you got, gave up drinking alcohol. Oh, that sounds so hopeful. Yes. You're making well, me think about Yeah, no, I totally believe you. Totally believe you. <laughs> <laughs> There's not a doubt in my mind. You're right. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't ever sit here and guarantee anybody sobriety because at the end of the day, if a person's guaranteeing you sobriety, like run. But what I will guarantee you is because I, you can't, you have to want to do it on your own, you know, and relapse is part of the game and it happens. But like what I can guarantee though, if you stick to 90 days of sobriety, you will see positive changes in yourself and around your life. That I would bet a thousand dollars on to anybody. Oh man, you're making this sound really, really, really good to me. Mm, good. There's definitely, oh yeah. Well, and I will tell you this <laughs> and, and to just like end it with the, with my close friend I was talking to. So she made it to 90 days and she was like, I, I don't know where to go from here. And I said, listen, why don't you just take it till the end of the year? There's only like six more weeks left. I said, and go through this holiday season feeling how you do now. And I guarantee you it will be a different experience in a very long time of what this holiday season with you and your kids would be like. She's like, okay, I'm going to do it. Like you've challenged me and it, I am very curious to see like what it would be like to go to be alcohol free during, during the holiday season. And she's doing it. It would be so interesting, I think, for a lot of listeners, too, because going back to where we started, there is a lot of emotion in drinking, and a lot of people can only make it through a night of their work drinks or their family dinners with a glass of alcohol or a couple. Mm -hmm. So setting that challenge for yourself, that would be big. Like, it's it's a great challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do it. Right. People, our <laughs> listeners should think about it. <laughs> your, um, the community's Instagram is at sober.vibes and your personal one is at Courtney. Is it one underscore or two underscores? Mm, I think it's two. I think it's two, it's, but you uh, can yeah. always find, yeah, I think it's two, but you can always find my personal account too through Sober Vibes. I tag myself in, in that. So that's true. That's true. I had two underscores here and that made me doubt whether I, copy that correctly. <laughs> no, I think it's, um, I think it but, is. 
any like going through um at sober.vibes they'll be able to find you and your mm-hmm. book you mentioned it earlier sober vibes mm-hmm. a guide to your first three months without alcohol to anyone that's interested i already bought it um i'm really gonna sit through it yeah and i do have to say for anybody and for you too um anybody who gets that book just how, because I had somebody ask, they're like, should I do the journal prompts? It's like, or should I like read this with each month? And I just told her, I was like, just read it how you feel like it's called to you. You know, like I've had a lot of people read through it all and then go back and do the journal prompts or they mm. read it with each month that they enter in. Right. I think I would finish it all as well to kind of know what I'm, oh, actually, is that good? Knowing what I'm getting myself into? I don't know. <laughs> Well, but yeah, but the, but that is the thing. It's like, it's such a quick read. It's honestly a quick read and you can just read it. And then it's not, it, there's nothing negative in there of where it would be like, Ooh, this would make me scared because it does. The book is written because this is my take from sobriety. How I wish more and more would do is come from a more empathetic approach in supportive approach rather than the shame game of pointing fingers and being like, why, why couldn't you make it five days sober? You know, it's just like, yeah, you just got to keep going. If you fall off, get back on and, and you know, whatever works for you. That's why the book is very tailored to the reader and what works best for them. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Well, you've given me a lot of food for thought. So thank you so much for being here, Courtney. I really, really appreciate your time. I think we've given the listeners some really good tips on how to make it through events, either sober or um, with drinking a lot less alcohol. And then maybe we've gotten people to buy your book and to, to get through those first three months. Yes, absolutely. I hope it, I hope it helps. And yeah, any listeners that do do it, please hit us up because I'm very curious. Yeah, I'm, and please reach out to me on uh, DM me on Instagram. I always, I'm, I'm out of all the 1,000 uh, social media apps, that's where I party most. So, <laughs> amazing. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you.